Hi, I'm Carmen LeBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LeBurge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles, arms now wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise by your power. We will go by your spirit. We are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm Carmen LeBurge. It is the 9th of September, 2022. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen here on the Faith Radio Network. The call sign went out. London Bridge is down. London Bridge is down. Those uh, were the code words spoken by the Queen's private secretary in a call to the prime minister. And that is the uh, first notification of the death of the Queen of England. I will summarize it this way. The Queen of England is now with the King of Kings more important than serving as Britain's or the United Kingdom's longest serving monarch, the Queen of England, Elizabeth II, is a daughter of Christ, a daughter of God um, in Christ. And so the Queen of England is now with the King of Kings. Whatever other reflection we might have today on her life and her service and the transition that now takes place, um, Let us as Christians be mindful that she is a sister in Christ, a person um, who lived and died in the sure and certain hope of resurrection unto newness of life in Christ our Lord. So as London Bridge is down, those were the solemn code words spoken by uh, the Queen's private secretary in a call to the prime minister, the prime minister who was just on the job two days and is the last government official to be known to have had a public audience with the Queen. People were informed in both um, ancient and modern ways. So how did you hear the news of the death of Queen Elizabeth II? Um, We sort of were called and called one another to prayer yesterday morning at the end of the second hour of this program, knowing that um, doctors were concerned about her health and the family had been invited to gather at Balmoral in Scotland, Um, her favorite her favorite place on earth, I think. Social media and the mainstream media certainly flooded the airwaves, but in keeping with tradition, a footman in mourning clothing posted a black-edged notice to the gates of Buckingham Palace. Flags were lowered to half-mast, not only across um, the nations that have been part of the British Commonwealth, but here in the United States as well. Many, what I will describe as uh, former colonies, recognizing and honoring the death of Britain's longest-serving monarch, a a woman who lived so well with such dignity and grace. So as these ceremonial events um, occur, um, the government actually has to reorganize itself because the queen is technically the head of the government, uh, or the monarch is the head of the government in in Great Britain, um, even though functionally not so. So at the moment of her death, Prince Charles became king, and all members of parliament gathered to swear allegiance to their new monarch. And because the queen died at Balmoral, 
Um, there are Scottish rituals that will take place before her body is transported to London under the continuous watch care of four uh, grenadier guards, those ones who wear the big black bearskin hats and red coats. So the first event that we will witness will likely be the carrying of her body up Edinburgh's Royal Mile to St. Giles Cathedral for a service there before um, before her body is placed on a royal train to London. That entire route, it is expected, will be lined with British subjects, paying their respects, throwing flowers. And we'll talk later about the making of a king, um, because that has already taken place. There is now a King Charles. Today, we will simply acknowledge this life so well lived with such dignity and beauty and strength and grace and service, a sister in Christ who lived and died, um, as I said before, in sure and certain hope of resurrection unto newness of life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Carl Truman was uh, born in England and um, has reflected, as many, many others have online. I mean, everybody had, you know, like their obit ready to ready to drop. Um, and um, yeah, so uh, people have had some expectation of this for some time as the queen was 96 years old. So um, Carl Truman, I'll just read a few things that he said. She saw the monarchy as something larger than herself, something to which her personal interest had to be subordinated. Um, He talked about her serious Christian faith and a friend who once had the privilege of being royal chaplain and spending a weekend at Balmoral Castle confirmed that the conversations he had with the queen revealed um, her to be a thoughtful, devout Christian. And as a humble Christian, she took her earthly vocation as queen seriously, placing the needs of the office and of the people she ruled before her own. Um, He talks about, you know, being able to tell our children and our grandchildren, hey, when you grow up, you want to be like her. The Queen's uh, coronation oath um, is worth our revisiting, and so maybe we'll do that at the top of the next hour, um, because right now we want to turn to a conversation with Brian Rosner. Um, uh, Brian is in a unique position to share with us. He uh, lives in Australia now um, as the principal of Ridley College, Um, but um, did his theological training and then served as a professor in Great Britain. So looking forward to our conversation with Brian Rosner, assuming that we can make the connection with Australia. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. can and strings to Australia not presently working. <clears throat> so um, we are going to chat among ourselves for here for a minute um, while Paul Perot continues the um, arduous task of trying to make a connection with our friend across the pond. So I have um, in front of me the Queen's coronation oath, which she took in 1953. And this gives us opportunity to reflect um, on on what's contained in it. Um, and so, again, I'm Carmen LeBurge. If you've just joined us, this is Mornings with Carmen on the Faith Radio Network. We're reflecting on the death of Queen Elizabeth. My um, 
My overarching thought is this. The Queen of England is now with the King of Kings. And really, nothing more need be said of a person, right? I mean, following, um, following our death, the question is, do we rise to newness of life in Christ? And, um, and so if that is not business you've done with the Lord, let me encourage you to do it. Um, we are, those who are in Christ are heirs of the kingdom of heaven. We are um, sons and daughters of the living God, uh, which makes us, you know, royalty. And so if you've ever thought to yourself, I'd like to be a part of a royal family, well, come on in. Um, you can be in Christ Jesus, a member of the most royal of families. He is, in fact, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and every knee bows to him, including the monarchs of this uh, terrestrial plane. So uh, the Queen's coronation, I mean, most of us didn't witness it, so <clears throat> I thought it would be uh, interesting. And, and most people who have lived under um, her reign don't remember this far back. Uh, I mean, in terms of um, just the sheer numbers of, of people alive today who were not alive on June the 2nd, 1953. So, um, uh, so we go back and we revisit um, these words. The Archbishop of, of Canterbury says, Madam, is your majesty willing to take the oath? And she says, I am willing. And the Archbishop then asks these questions, and the Queen, this is described this way, having a book in her hands. Um, that book is the Bible, by the way shall answer each question as follows. Archbishop, the Archbishop says, will you solemnly promise and swear to govern the peoples of the United Kingdom, of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the Union of South Africa, Pakistan, and Ceylon, which you and I know as Sri Lanka, and of your possessions and the other territories to any of them belonging or pertaining according to their respective laws and customs? And the Queen responded, I solemnly promise so to do. Will you, to your power, cause law and justice in mercy to be executed in all your judgments? And the queen said, I will. Will you, to the utmost of your power, maintain the laws of God and the true profession of the gospel? Will you, to the utmost of your power, maintain in the United Kingdom the Protestant Reformed religion established by law? Will you maintain and preserve inviolably the settlement of the Church of England and the doctrine, worship, discipline, and government thereof, as by law established in England? And will you preserve unto the bishops and clergy of England and to the churches there committed to their charge all such rights and privileges as by law do or shall appertain uh, to them or any of them? And the Queen says, all this I promise to do. And then the queen rising out of the chair, the sword of state being carried before her, shall go to the altar and there make her solemn oath in the sight of all the people. She laid her right hand upon the Holy Gospel, the great Bible, which had been carried uh, in the procession and brought from the altar by the archbishop and tendered to her as she kneels upon the steps. And then she says, and she said these words. The things which I have herebefore promised, I will perform and keep. So help me God. The queen then kissed the book and signed the oath. Queen Elizabeth was 
25 years old. Her, um, her father, uh, King George VI, had died on February the 6th, 1952, following a long illness. And so Elizabeth, who was 25, um, on November the 4th, 1952, signed the declaration of her willingness to become the queen. Uh, that happened in the presence of Parliament. And then what we have just read, um, this coronation oath, was a vow that she took on June the 2nd, 1953. And at that time, she became the queen of seven independent Commonwealth countries, the United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Pakistan, and as I said earlier, um, Ceylon, which is we know as Sri Lanka. She's the only uh, monarch. Um, more than 80% of the people living in all of those places have ever known because they have been born since then. And so they have only ever said, long live the queen. And now they say, long live the king. They have only ever said, God save the queen. And now they say, God save the king. Did you know that senior trial lawyers, like in here in the United States of America, we think of lawyers as having like a JD after their name, right? It's a, it's a doctorate in juris. Like it's a, so anyway, that's the JD here. Well, over there, um, it has now... Since 1953, like if you got a card from a barrister, it would have QC, which stands for Queen's Council. Well, they're going to all need new cards because they are no longer Queen's Council. They are now King's Council. The very currency of the nation will now be exchanged from that which bears the image of the queen to that which will bear the image of the king. The national anthem will be changed to reflect the change as well. God save the queen yields to God save the king. Um, it's notable. And you may be saying, why are we making so much of, of this? Because she is a woman worthy of making much of. There are not a lot of people in the political sphere today to whom we can point and, uh, and say, um, yeah, let's be like her. But I think we could say it of Elizabeth. All right, you're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Hmm. So as you um, consider life and death, I mean, the whole world is considering the life of Queen Elizabeth II and her death. Um, it occurs to me that this is not the only family mourning, and this will not be the only church gathering for a 
service of witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm not sure that we have even talked at all about um, the death of the murder, the kidnapping and murder of uh, Eliza Fletcher. Um, Eliza uh, is a beautiful, radiant young woman, um, wife, mother of two little kids, kindergarten teacher, sister in Christ. Um, very active member of the Second Presbyterian Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, Eliza is also um, an heiress. I mean, like her grandfather, um, her grandfather's a billionaire, obviously making her parents billionaires. And she and her brother stood to um, to receive that inheritance along with their um, seven cousins. And so um, some very early on speculated quietly um, that maybe, you know, she had been kidnapped for ransom. And that was actually, you know, frankly, the hope. Um, That was not the reality. This seems like an utterly random um, kidnapping and then murder. Um, She was out for her regular run. She's a long-distance runner. She had uh, actually just a few months ago done her first 50K. I don't even, yeah, I can't even imagine that. 50-kilometer run. Um, So she was out for what for her was a regular eight-and-a-half-mile run. Um, And she was out early. It was, you know, 4.30 in the morning. For those of us who get up early to do morning radio, that does not sound um, hard to believe at all. Um, And she was murdered. The person responsible um, has been apprehended and is in custody. um, And that portion of this story will certainly unfold. But there's a family grieving deeply. There are little kids showing up for kindergarten whose teacher is not showing up. And there are um, little children in the Fletcher family whose mom is not coming home. And a husband who is, um, to see pictures of him, uh, utterly um, broken. And her parents as well. On and on and on. And so um, tomorrow at 10 a.m. Central Time, a congregation is going to gather. A family is going to gather. And it's not going to be um, with the pomp and circumstance um, to which we are going to tend to the death of a monarch. But no less precious to God and no less a sister in Christ and no less redeemed of the Lord is one named Liza Fletcher. And so, um, as you are making your way around the world today, doing the things that God has prepared in advance for you to do as an agent of his grace and an ambassador of his kingdom, um, let's be mindful of the grief in which people, in which many people live, and our own grief as well. Um, C.S. Lewis talked about a grief observed and what it means not only to be people who spend time observing our own grief, um, paying correct attention to it, but also observing the grief of others. And so what does it look like and mean today for you and I to observe grief? Recognize certainly the resurrection of Christ and the newness of life offered in him, but it makes the darkness of the present reality no less dark for people walking through the valley of the shadow of death. 
And so let's tend to, let's tend tenderly today and tomorrow and over the weekend um, to those concerns in our own life, in our own families, in our own communities, in our own churches, and yes, in this world that God so loves. No better opportunity, no better opportunity exists to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ than in the face of death. No better opportunity exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ than in the face of the reality of death. Because guess what? He has overcome. Yes, he died. And because he died and rose again, yet shall we live. Let's be people who declare the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the face of death, in our own communities, in our own families, even as the world observes and pays attention to, grieves, the death of Queen Elizabeth. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. I like the questions that are rolling in on the text line this morning. You can always text me during the show, 877-933-2484. One person saying, hey, is the king or queen of England considered to be equivalent to the pope? Um, No. So um, the pope is the head of the Roman Catholic Church. The king or the queen of England is uh, is the head of the Church of England. So Anglicanism, and yes, Anglicanism globally. So if you're an Anglican... Um, technically, there's a relationship to the king or the queen, the sovereign um, on the throne in, uh, in Great Britain. It's a complicated uh, arrangement. Um, they don't actually have any duties related to the church, but they are the defender of the faith. Like it's, a ti- it's one of their titles, the defender of the faith. And um, so there you have it. Um, Chris Martin is going to join us next, uh, and we're going to talk about the thing. I mean, you know this already. Chris Martin um, talks about the intersection of our life and the social Internet, like not only social media, but the social Internet. So just, you know, give give consideration to that for a moment. Um, One of the things we would have talked with um, Brian Rosner about had we been able to make a connection with him this morning is the difference between our real identity, like who we really are, and who we present ourselves to be online. So his book is is all about identity and how we find ourselves and why looking inside is the wrong place to look. Um, and ultimately that we, um, we find who we are when we recognize that um, our identity is, is hidden with Christ in God, Colossians 3.3. 3. So that's the, that's the gist of it. And we'll circle back around to him um, when we have the opportunity to do so. But the connection that I was going to make between Brian's book, um, How to Find Yourself, and our conversation with Chris Martin was this distinction that Brian makes in his book between the, um, the self that we present online um, and our true self. And so if someone who, quote-unquote, knows you online um, were to meet you in real life— would there be consistency or are you um, living as one, as if one set of things are real online in your 
um, in your online persona. And yet your real life is not like that at all, in which case you are living a disintegrated reality. And we want to be people who um, are integrated, whose life is integrated. Um, every aspect of our lives under, uh, yeah, under the Lordship of Christ, that we live and move and find our being in him. So Chris Martin joins us next. Um, we're going to talk about uh, TikTok and how it has upended the music industry. Think about where you get your music um, and how you access it and what all of the people who use portions of other people's music um, means to those who make the music and would like to get paid for it. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. It was just 2007 when the first iPhone became available. We now have like iPhone version 14 released this week. Chris Martin joins us from the Terms of Service blog. You can find what we're talking about today at termsofservice.social. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. How are you today? Good. 1999. There was no Facebook, but there were Facebooks, plural, let me say this, at Princeton Theological Seminary, um, the Facebook, the student pictorial directory, was either called the Fundy Finder or the Liberal Locator, depending on the camp that you were in. So our quote-unquote Facebook pictorial student directory contained not just pictures, but also a fair amount of personal information and space that you could use to make your own notes. Um uh, you know, as you encountered other students and wanted to jot things down about them. So I understand this conversation that you have lifted up about the Facebooks. Talk with us about yeah. the Facebooks. Yeah. So if you don't know how like the the company slash website Facebook came about, uh, or if you didn't go to like a big college where Facebooks were a thing, um, the term Facebook comes from this college phenomenon of uh dorms and, and other residences having um yeah like you said like a pictorial directory like a yearbook but not a reflection on the last year but more of a pictorial directory would be the correct way to describe it um that that always existed in physical form and facebook was sort of a an effort to take the same sort of thing to the internet uh, by zuckerberg back in 2004 in his dorm room at harvard university and um, that, that's the very short version of how Facebook kind of came about, where the name came from anyway. Uh, so Facebooks have been around for quite a while. Uh, Facebooks have been on college campuses late, you know, late in the 20th century and, and perhaps even still, though maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure, actually. Um, a few months ago, I found myself reading the May 6th, 1999 edition of the Kenyan Collegian, the student newspaper of Kenyon College in Gambier, Ohio. Don't don't ask how I was reading that. But uh, when I was reading it, I came across a fascinating little article, and it's called Facebook's Removed. Now, again, this is from 1999, um, and it's called Facebook's Removed. And the gist of it is uh, this guy took the paper Facebook, the pictorial directory of Kenyon College in 1999, and put it on the internet, you know, this fledgling thing called the net in 1999 and kind of scanned it in, added the information so that people all around the world and, you know, perhaps like alumni of Kenyon College could see who were students at Kenyon College. Um, 
And a fascinating little bit from this article is is this. A memo from the director of information access at Kenyon College uh, cited the following reasons for the college's removal of or the request for the student to remove this online Facebook. The reason was this. Global posting of personal information not obtained for that purpose and obtained without written consent makes Kenyan students vulnerable in ways they may not be possibly prepared for. Um, and I think that that's kind of an interesting. So this is from 1999. And in <laughs> 1999, this random little, you know, sleepy little school in, in rural Ohio was dealing with this situation in which uh, college students' personal information was um, unwillingly shared on the Internet through something called a Facebook. Uh, but it wasn't the capital F Facebook. It was the literal scanning of this pictorial directory onto the Internet. And this was a full five years before Zuckerberg would ever have created Facebook in his Harvard dorm room. So uh, I just thought I, I pulled that out. I was looking through it earlier this year when I was doing research for another project. And um, I was like, man, people there, there really is nothing new under the sun. Back in 1999, before Facebook existed, people were dealing with what are we doing about this Internet stuff and putting putting people's faces and information on the Internet without without them knowing and, and perhaps in ways that could be detrimental to them. And they were we were wrestling with privacy issues around something called a Facebook before the uh, the 3000 pound gorilla of the uh, of the Facebook Internet came came about. Yeah, and I think now, you know, fast forward, people post pictures of all kinds of events and um, take our picture and post it, I mean, without even our awareness um, until, you know, Google aggregates uh, pictures of us and, you know, like, have you seen yourself in all these places? And you're like, oh, my goodness, right? Because um, and so I think this is um, I think this is a good conversation for us to have with uh, with our young people Um about the ways that they are exposed um, on all kinds of social media platforms that maybe they haven't thought about. I actually, this this um, sort of came into relief. In the, I, I live in Tennessee, as you know, and um, over in Memphis, there has been this horrific murder of this young mom. Um, and she comes from a very, very prominent family. Um, and scrubbing their social media became like, an immediate concern after her disappearance. Um, and so, you know, you can no longer access um, she or her husband's Instagram or Facebook accounts. But it, 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 the, um, the immediate effort to get personal photos of them um, was gross. I mean, like it was, it was, it, it, I mean, I'm not surprised that it happens, but it's, um, but it's icky. And so I think that a, a fresh conversation with our young people about just how exposed they are online, wherever they might be sharing, um, you know, photos of themselves and others, this is a this raises that conversation in a maybe in a new way that's kind of fun because you did give us the um, the old fashioned newsprint, which I appreciated. Yeah, yeah, and I think and and it certainly is a conversation to have with with our young people, um, but also I think we should note. Uh, Eliza Fletcher and, and her family were, you know, in their 30s uh, and um, they're not young people, you know, uh, and, and yet they still even 
were sharing these things and 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 it's not like it's wrong to be they they're, they're simply using the um the platforms in the way they're meant to be used but but even even they clearly like didn't realize what sharing all of your personal information slash family photos on the internet could end up having this you know this totally uh unknown negative effect um and and i think I think the I, I'm a big proponent. I've been saying this a lot lately because I've been having a lot, a lot of conversations about teens and social media lately. That social media is not a young people issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and while while there are ways that we should be caring for young people and teenagers using social media, this isn't 2006 anymore. I see boomers using social media just as poorly as the teenagers in my student ministry. So um, I think I, I just had somebody ask me the other day if you could say one thing to parents of teenagers on how to use social media well uh, and, and how, how parents can lead their teens to use social media well, what would you say? And I basically said, I would tell parents, don't tell your kid to scroll their phone at the dinner table if you're doing it too. Like, and, and it happened. Like, it, like, I think a lot of parents or, or, or leaders of oh, teenagers or don't, in general. Or don't text and drive. And yet yeah, you as a parent yeah. are driving around with your phone in your hand. Like, I see it through my car window, people. Yeah, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think we get this idea, and it's not like a wrong idea because teenagers drive internet culture, and like, and obviously, like, new frontiers of the internet are forged by teenagers. But if we get this idea that social media is a young people issue, uh, we're gonna have a really hard time. Like, we're we're gonna be far behind the eight ball trying to figure out how to deal with it ourselves. Um, and so, I think if you're out there and you're like, "How do I get my teen to stop looking at their phone so much?" I'd ask you how much are you looking at your phone, uh, and maybe maybe you should maybe you should check yourself before you try to lead a teenager to not wreck themselves. <laughs> I love that. Um, so, um, Chris, we're going to continue this conversation in just a moment, and you're going to explain to us how TikTok is or maybe is not upending the music industry. But for but before we jump to that. Um, so Paul Perot and I have been having a conversation about our desperate need for um, a Gen Z Christian to talk with because you have aged out. <laughs> you used to be like when you joined conversations on this network, you were like the token millennial Christian. Like you were the young guy. You were the kid. And you've now aged out. I mean, we're going to keep talking with you. But my point is we need you to help us find the next Chris Martin, who who <laughs> okay. is maybe on a different subject. Right. But um, but who is that faithful Gen Z Christian that we can start Ooh. talking with? Because, like, as you know, like, I mean, I'm now like super old by comparison. If you're old, I'm like crazy old. So there you go. Will you help us do that? Maybe. I I joined you guys back in 2014 and yeah, I, I, that's like a hundred years ago. I know I'm getting close to over the hill. We got, we got to start finding the next folks. It's true. (laughs) All right. We're going to continue our conversation with Chris Martin, our favorite millennial Christian here in just a moment. You're listening to mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge and this is faith radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of what we do on live radio every day. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you at MyFaithRadio.com. Right now, we're inviting you to share your Faith Radio story. What do you love about Faith Radio? What do you love about Mornings with Carmen? How has this program changed the way you think or the way you live, the way you engage others in the conversations of the day? We really do want to hear from you. Your story could encourage someone else and certainly glorify God. 
So share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leave us a message today. Again, thanks for listening. Give me faith like Daniel in the lion's den. Give me hope like Moses in the wilderness. Continuing our conversation with Chris Martin, you can find what we're talking about at his Terms of Service blog, termsofservice.social. Um, Chris, TikTok, first of all, remind people what it is and how popular it is, um, because I do think that TikTok is sort of, you know, where people are and what it has to do with the music industry. I mean, it started out as people actually like putting up little dance videos. It has grown beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. So TikTok is one of the biggest social media platforms in the world right now, Um, not in terms of probably just number of users, though I would say it's probably getting close in that regard as well. But it's one of the biggest in the world right now in terms of like attention and cultural clout and, um, you know, affecting affecting broader culture. It's, it's super relevant right now. I would say even more relevant than Instagram. In fact, there was new data that Pew Research published earlier this or in, in August now, I guess that's not this month anymore, but earlier in August about uh, how teens use social media, which is always interesting data because that that often can point to how in the future their parents may use social media. And TikTok uh, is the number two social media platform behind only YouTube. Uh, So 67% of teens are using TikTok regularly, uh, which is higher than Instagram, definitely higher than Facebook and otherwise. So TikTok is is huge right now, uh, especially among the younger demographic, but is growing even beyond that. TikTok is huge for music because uh, while TikTok, what makes TikTok unique is that it's a short form video social media platform, like maybe Vine of old, but Vine videos were only six seconds long and TikTok can go up to three minutes these days, but they they tend to be more in the 30 second to minute range. And uh, what's different, what's unique about TikTok beyond short form video is uh, you can pair a sound to it. So you can take a music, you can, you can take a song or, or, or a, a piece of music, or even if like if somebody created a TikTok video where they were just talking, you could like take their sound, maybe they're like ranting about something or, or whatever. You can take that audio from that video as a sound and like make your own video with that sound. And so it kind of, it's detached or untethered sound from video so that you can um, do a dance or make some funny video with a sound that you are not creating, if you will. And so it's been huge for the music industry um, in in good and bad ways. There have obviously been like legal issues, as there are always with like uh, social media and music. Uh, but in 2021, over 175 songs that trended on TikTok charted on the Billboard Hot 100, which was twice as many as the prior year. Um, and music labels are taking notice. Um, record labels, in fact, there was a story earlier this year, I forget who the artist was, but it, it wasn't just one. Kind of one artist made noise about it, and then a lot of artists kind of joined in chorus with her, if you will. Um, she, uh, this artist was talking about how her label was just giving her a hard time about making a TikTok hit, make, making mm. a song that would blow up on TikTok so that then it would kind of give them the impetus to make more music. Um, and I've heard that, I've, I've seen that a lot uh, in the music industry. And in fact, I've, I've, uh, there's an author at the publisher I work with who had a song glow up on TikTok and, and, and he has spoken about how that just affected how he makes music and how they think about music. And, and TikTok is really disrupting the music industry. But I would say for, 
for the music industry in kind of a good way, uh, especially for artists. It's making artists blow up who have never been known. That's the thing that's interesting about TikTok is the discoverability feature of TikTok is fascinating. You know, a couple of weeks ago we talked about Be Real and how it's like virtually like you can't go viral on Be Real. And that's one of the things that's kind of nice about it. It's very Be Real is a very local social media platform where you just interact with people you know. Well, TikTok is like the extreme opposite. Like there are people who are like if you want to go viral right now, if as if you would ever want such a thing, I can't imagine why you would. But if you would want such a thing, TikTok is where you do that right now because it's the discoverability and like the way that people might just post one or two videos and maybe that it's really funny or they're a really good dancer or maybe they are a musician themselves and they're they're posting a video of themselves singing or whatever. It's so easy for people to stumble across your content, your videos. Um, that maybe have never seen you before or even heard of you. And that has made songs in particular spread like wildfire. Um, and, and also like, you know, if a song that's been dead for 20 years, somebody finds it and it's like, oh, I can make a really cool dance to it. And then they do a cool dance to it. And then it starts a trend of everybody else doing a cool dance to it. Then that song that's 20 years old is going to have new life breathed into it. In fact, one story about that from this year, uh, Stranger Things had a song in it called Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush, an 80s song that I think was like, she was popular in the 80s as an artist, but the song was maybe not one of her most popular. Um, and it has char- it has topped the charts this summer. People are calling it the song of the summer, despite the fact that it was released like 40 years ago, because it was featured in Stranger Things, number one. But number two, it was used in so many TikTok trends over the last six months, ever since Stranger Things released back in the late spring, early summer, it's been used for dances or other various trends like 80s kind of nostalgia trends. And so anyway, the, TikTok has a way of breathing life into new songs that maybe Gen Z is discovering for the first time or or Gen Alpha, the generation after them, or to help new artists uh, debut songs that uh, that can somehow become catchy for the TikTok machine in one way or another. Um, the NFL. I'm reading through um, Terms of Service blog right now, and we have a trivia question. In honor of the NFL uh, starting its season, which NFL player scored the most points in his career? Um, you have to go to – no, you don't, because people are just going to Google it if we don't tell them. So Morton Anderson is the answer to that question. But here's my bigger question um, for you, Chris Martin. Um, who are you watching, like cheering for, rooting for? Um, and I will be attending um, a party in the Twin Cities during the Vikings-Packers game. And I have listeners in both cities. So can you help me out? What am oh, I man. wearing on Sunday? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, so I, I don't have a team. I don't have an NFL team, really. I just love watching. I love watching the NFL. Um, like we had friends over last night and ordered some wings and stuff and it was a great time. And I, I just love, man, I just love the NFL. So on Sundays, I don't watch a team. Uh, I, I turn on NFL red zone, which is seven <laughs> hours of commercial free football showing you every score of every game. And it's amazing. <laughs> it is, it is God's gift to the football fan. Um, I don't know. But I don't know. Your, for, I don't know your, if your, that's God's gift to the, uh, I don't know. That sounds so frenetic. I mean, you know, I like to see oh, what's so happening. I like that. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's so good. But anyway, your, your, to your question, uh, I would, I would wear, um, you know, maybe you wear a nice purple shirt with some green slacks or something like that, you know, kind of mm, play, mix bold, it up. play both kind of go both yeah. ways. I was yeah. thinking maybe a Vikings outfit with a cheese hat. That works. That could work. 
I mean, you know, I feel can like I, if you're... Can I interject oh. here? You, <laughs> yes, you, you have heard the story the about the Civil War... <laughs> you, you have heard the story about the Civil War soldier who had <laughs> the Union pants and the Confederate oh, I, shirt. He got shot at by both or sides, put, okay? Or put, <laughs> Just saying. Or put sugar on his grits. That also <laughs> oh, is a problem. no. Yes. <laughs> okay, so you guys can chime in on the text line, 877-933-2484. Carmen is attending her first Vikings Packers party on Sunday during the game and needs some counsel. So offer your counsel um, on the text line, 877-933-2484. Chris, as always, what a joy. And get busy looking for a Gen Z Christian that we can have on the show. Sure. Thanks, guys. You're the best. That's Chris Martin. You can find him at his Terms of Service blog. You can also find him at Moody Publishing and on Twitter. He's Chris Martin 17 You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. All right, for those of you suggesting that I uh, I wear all the colors or wear white or remain neutral, I mean, do you not know me? I cannot remain neutral. I must pick a side. I must go all in, which has been the counsel of of Chad. Um, so thank you so much. I'm going with Chad's counsel. Pick a side. Go all in. Yeah, that's what I'll be doing. You'll have to find out on Monday whose side I picked. Um, all right. Um, we are going to have another hour of Mornings with Carmen here up next. we got all kinds of great things um, to visit about. But let me uh, let me say this at the close of this hour. Next week is our fall fundraiser. So thank you in advance for praying for us. We need technology prayers. We have a whole giant new system that um, needs to be loaded in. So prayers for technology that everything would work appropriately. Um, prayers for those of us who are traveling uh, to the Twin Cities for the event. Um, we always appreciate, you know, God's mercy in, in every aspect of, of travel. And then pray for God's favor. Like God's already, you know, put the resources out there that he intends to gather unto himself for the use of this ministry in the year ahead. Um, and so we just get to invite people in, um, and that includes you. So thank you to each and every one of you that already gives so generously to, uh, to Faith Radio. This is listener-supported radio. Maybe you have joined us in the last six months and you don't know that from time to time we take a few days to raise the funds that are necessary to do what we do day in and day out. The Faith Radio Network is global, reaching into more than 100 countries around the world now, and we do that through listener support. So it is listener-supported radio. We are so grateful for the way that um, God provides for this ministry. Through, um, through you and your friends and the Faith Radio listening community. So thank you so much in advance for your participation, for your prayers. And if you haven't done so already, please call 877-933-2484 and share your Faith Radio Impact story. We need your story to inspire others. Another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.